This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, something tickled you pink. I'm not <laughs> oh, sure what it is. Oh, yeah. Well, one thing's for sure. You just ate half of a granola bar <laughs> in the, into in the, the mic. mic. Yeah. It was gross. <laughs> is that gross? I feel like... Uh, yeah. No, because it's not even a granola bar. It's like a... It's a, it's a <laughs> disgusting thing, actually, is what it is. I'm just looking at it right now. It's one of these... It's like the... I'm trying to get my protein... It's like protein a tar up. bar. It's a bit of a tar bar, but have you uh, have you ever actually eaten one of these? Because it's it's only it's only six ingredients. No, it's only four ingredients. I think. Is there actually? Is it a protein it's bar? Like those the ingredients. You didn't let me finish, but it's chalk tar, <laughs> <laughs> and just full on disgustingness. Yeah, uh, but well, anyway, yeah. gross. But hey, I just got twelve grams of protein uh, <laughs> at at your benefit. Uh, we got a great show today. We do. Kevin Skipworth is on the show. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe we can't say past guest fan favorite for Kevin. No, you know what? Kevin Skipworth, uh, a lot of people in our industry will know who Kevin is. Managing broker, co-owner of Dexter Realty. He's also the managing broker at Goodman Commercial. So he's kind of operates in both worlds. In the media, always talking about the market. Well, he puts out uh, bi-monthly reports, delves in. He's a numbers guy. He delves into the stats. Sure. uh, And he's just a... He's, a, he's the voice of reason in Vancouver real estate. You know what? He's He's been right a lot. And that's one thing. Over the years, whenever I read uh, an article that that has a, a soundbite from from Kevin, it's usually like, you know, keep calm and carry on. And and then three or four months later, it's like, oh, yeah, he was right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the sky exactly. didn't fall. And the, the other nice thing about this conversation is I feel like a lot in the general media and of course on the podcast, we've talked a lot about macroeconomic issues, you know, supply chain, inflation, global inflation, all these things that are having an impact to interest rates in Canada and beyond. All these things though that are having a, an impact obviously on the local market. But this conversation is kind of recalibrating back to the nitty gritty, right? It's like, where's the inventory? Right. Where, where are the levels at? Is that high or low? Uh, what does that mean for the market moving forward? Yeah. It's kind of back to basics. I like it. It is, it is in, in many ways back to basics. There's a lot to take away from this conversation as well, because we cover kind of where the opportunities are, where are the most resilient markets, where is getting hit the hardest, and the list goes on. But we we really do the full spectrum today. Right. Yeah. Right. This is a, this is a great conversation. Before we get to this conversation with uh, Kevin Nomat. I just want to touch on a couple things. Uh, one is we just got an awesome review and there's a spoiler alert here. We we made this guy some money. Yeah. Well, it's, he's not, not in the he, conventional way is how we typically make people money. But listen to this. So it's, it's from uh, your city of Surrey based biggest fan. He's been listening to the podcast. He says for uh, since the beginning, as someone who spent the last 10 years working alongside the region's most reputable developers, brokers and advisors. I can say that your topics are always timely and informative. P.S. Thought I'd share that once I got a job because of an interview of yours. Always wanted to thank you guys for that. I, I kind of want more details. Yeah. Because like, what, did he just name drop the interview? Right. Or was the person on the show that was interviewing him? Or was it just some insightful remark from the show that got him the job? I wonder. I, here's, here's what I will tell you. If this gentleman reaches out, we got a t-shirt for him. What else, Matt, do we have before we cut to this what conversation? Else? I, I, I just want to uh, say we played doubles tennis last night at the North Vancouver oh, Tennis God. Club. <laughs> and uh, man. Was it bad tennis? It was terrible tennis. Yeah. but I, more, I've been on a two-year hiatus. You, so but say. more importantly, the Lower McKay Creek Park is the area in which we often have a beer in the parking lot after tennis. Wow. Yeah. Wait a, and it was wait. Okay, heat score, calm down over there. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, a, a single, I think we shared a beer, all of us, but uh, the, the, we were in the parking lot. Right. That is a creepy place. What? But it, okay, so you got to give the context though. It's, uh, there was a dense forest on the parking lot and uh, a guy walks by in a tiger suit he, he, on his own at about what about 11 11, 11 o'clock it, like, at we, night yeah we shut the place down yeah like a halloween but he's like a full like he looks like he's he an could, adult he looks like he could be an accountant <laughs> by day <laughs> he's, he's in a tiger outfit and he looked at us like, like we were crazy yeah like what are you doing here yeah. which i mean maybe i i've seen the guy before yeah. in and this is the other weird thing i've seen him and it wasn't last week it was like Three months ago. Right. Same time, same place, same outfit. Yeah. It's just the strangest. And he walked by twice. And then, and then the, after he walked by, this is the real thing that, that scared me, is a lot of human-made animal voices were coming so, out of the bushes. So this is the thing we didn't yeah, really it, we talk about. We thought it was it. animals, but I don't think it was. It was a variety of like human-sounding animal voices. Let's put it this way. We've been playing tennis there for the, what, the last four years. Yeah. I don't think I've. You're maybe not not going back. Oh, well, I'm definitely. I think the days of having a parking lot beer are over. I think. Right. I think we're going to a bar. Yeah, because that was. It's a genuinely creepy, creepy joint. I'm wondering if anyone else has had that experience. But right. Uh, Another idea is we could just take the calories that we expend <laughs> as a win and then not offset it with uh, a beer or, or food. That would be uh, that would be another thing that we could both benefit from. Uh, maybe. Anyways, if you're the guy in the tiger suit, yeah, we'd love you get to hear a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just um, all right, well, let's come to this conversation with Kevin Skivworth. This is a great conversation. Enjoy. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Berquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sonehouse, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one-beds to three-beds, Sonehouse offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Okay, so we're here with Kevin Skipworth. He's the managing broker and co-owner at Dexter Realty and Goodman Commercial. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing well. Doing much better now, thanks. And uh, I finally had my turn with uh, the big C and uh, <laughs> and uh, managed to, to get it out of the country in Portugal. So Wow. Yeah. And, and how, so you, you're in Portugal and how, how far along are you in your trip before you get uh, COVID? Uh, we're about halfway through and uh, had just come to the location. I was there actually for a real estate conference and came down with it prior to the conference starting. So I had a really nice view of the conference from uh, the room, but uh, <laughs> uh, didn't get a chance to take part and, and catch up with some of the other companies that we deal with globally. So it's uh, a little bit frustrating for sure. And you know, not, not being home and being sick is never fun either. So, right. Yeah. yeah no kidding. Did Although, it become an issue in for the, for traveling back at all? Not at all. I mean, we, we, I guess, luckily or unluckily, I'm not sure which, but got it early enough that we'd recovered to be able to come home. So, uh, but it's, I mean, it's totally different traveling now. Nobody's wearing masks in the planes and the airports. We landed in Portugal at this small, we went into the Algarve and, landed at this small airport and uh, you go through customs and there must have been a thousand people uh, all trying to mill through and go through customs. So 
I guess if I had a suspicion as to where we got it, uh, probably in that to non-ventilated hot airport uh, <laughs> right. with a thousand other and people. Nobody's nobody's wearing masks. No. We're we're traveling soon, but I haven't <clears throat> no. been traveling much. Yeah, we flew out uh, out of Vancouver, and of course, when we left, uh, the mask mandate was still on. But we get on the plane, and none of the crew was wearing masks, and uh, it wasn't a, a national airline in Canada, but uh, a different one. I won't name it, but. Uh, um, you know, they didn't, and, you know, we did, but of course get, to, we get, we had a connection through London and we ended up missing our connection, of course, because travel right now is, is so succinct of, uh, <laughs> not, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, you get there and you're trying to navigate missing flights and connections. And, and so anyway, it just, uh, but yeah, it's just very different. And then of course, coming home, it was after October 1st. So mass mandates gone, uh, no arrive can, which I guess is a bit of a benefit, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's totally different than what it was. Did your luggage make it? You know, our luggage actually made it. That was the one, the one uh, <laughs> positive of the trip. It uh, it made it with us the whole way. So, uh, so yeah, I guess that's yeah. a bright spot. <laughs> Again, the one thing I think of is I had a client. Maybe this was like nine months ago, but he was just saying, "I'll never ride public transit again without a mask." And I was like, "Oh yeah, that totally makes sense." And I'm sure it's amazing how we shift back, right? Like, I'm sure he's not actually wearing a mask on public transit now. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just like, okay, back to normal. Yeah, I mean, I thought the same way. I mean, you think, well, we're just going to, we're just going to be masked the whole way and all that. But the time you get, you know, we get on our second flight from London to Portugal and nobody's wearing a mask on the plane. And so we're not. And, and, uh, and there's somebody in front of us that's coughing and, you know, somebody behind and, and, and I'm sure. There's many people with COVID that don't recognize it. I know I don't know right. how many people actually test, and we took tests with us and were able to to identify that we had it, which I guess is a benefit to everybody around us. And at the conference, they were thankful that I I said we had it and, and weren't joining in. But yeah, I mean, you just you fall back to what you're comfortable with. And uh, yeah, I saw a woman wearing a mask at my daughter's daycare the other day, and my first thought was she has COVID. <laughs> well, and <laughs> she didn't want to stay home. That was us coming back. I mean, we wore masks all the time coming back just because, you know, we didn't want to take a chance with other people. But man, I tell you, people look at you and it's just like, you just know that they're in the back of their mind. They're thinking, yeah, what's or, going on? Yeah. Or going to the pharmacy in Portugal asking for some uh, cough medicine and stuff. And because uh, I didn't get sick first, but uh, my partner did. And she, so I was able to go out and get some stuff and supplies, but man, I, I go in with a mask just because I didn't want to take a chance, but you just feel like everybody just wants to take a step back and, right. uh, you know, <laughs> at the hotel, they would, they would bring the uh, card in with our supplies and they'd sort of stand at the door and just push it in yeah. and <laughs> run away. <laughs> it's definitely a, a, an isolating feeling. No kidding. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> Well, Kevin, uh, I mean, we we've we've known you for years, and uh, we read a lot. Of, you're featured in the in the press in Vancouver a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a managing broker, part owner at Dexter Realty and Goodman Commercial, as you say. Um, but uh, I've got a background in economics. It's what I went to university for, and uh, I just love numbers. I love stats. I, I love analyzing that probably to a point uh, beyond which uh, I should do, but uh, everybody knows me as the stats guy at the office. And <laughs> and so, you know, I just early on just would love to just look at the numbers and try and figure out patterns or see what's going on and just let everybody know and report back. And so I just kind of kept doing it and developed it into a bit of a report uh, over time and uh, now put it out twice a month uh, just to look at the numbers and just get a sense as to where the market's at and and as much as uh, it's hard to predict the future, you you look at trends and try and, you know, where are they going and, and right. based on what's happened in the past. Right. And how is the market, Kevin? It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it is extremely interesting. I mean, um, you know, what's happening is probably not unexpected for, for most people, given where the market was, what's happened with interest rates, uh, inflation, to think that we wouldn't go through some sort of a, a pullback is is probably naive to say that. So it's, it's interesting to look at the numbers uh, and just see, you know, we have this the extremely low level of sales now compared to where we were, but inventory being still low. I mean, you would normally think when you have a pullback in sales that inventory would creep up and, and balloon. It just not happened and uh, and didn't happen as much as well 
back in the last little period in 2018, but it's more exacerbated now than it was then. Right. I find, and we've talked about this on the show before, but this idea that the type of inventory too that we often see creep up in softer markets is not always a great product for end users who are typically the people mm-hmm. looking at that time. You know, it's almost like investor grade product or, or properties that might be run down or lot value that tends to creep up. Is that something that you've noticed over the years? Yeah. I mean, you typically see that. I mean, in a softer market, the the less attractive properties don't sell. And so they will sit on market and and add to the, to the inventory. Um, You know, I think the one thing that, that doesn't get talked about uh, enough is, is properties that are being marketed for land assemblies or development. You know, many of them are on MLS and, and so they will make up, you know, that amount to a property on MLS. So just think about going down a busy street. How many properties do you see with signs out front? Sure. Uh, um, you know, so so really, when we look at the inventory now, I mean, it's you know we're ten thousand two hundred active listings in Greater Vancouver currently, but how many of those are actual properties that the average person's going to be you know looking at to buy? Not really. So, well, it's funny because we always talk about Grandview partly because I live there and I feel like I talk about it all the time, but I watch for nice houses or, or even livable houses. Mm-hmm. And it feels like in the sa- sales ratios every month, you're like, wow, the sales ratio is so low. I don't, all those houses are garbage. Like there's not any, if you're just a family looking for a house with a suite, it's like, I don't know if there was even, you know, there's a couple, mm-hmm. but uh, so many of them are on first Ave uh, or, or, you know, looking at assemblies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's just all these properties that really aren't part of the mix that the average buyer is going to be looking for. And, and with the, the amount of low inventory that we have, there isn't really one area that's ballooning more than another. Right. You know, I mean, Greater Vancouver, you sort of differentiate Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. The Fraser Valley, they've seen their inventory go up and, and you see their numbers. I mean, they're way above what last year was for active listings compared to what we are now. Um but a bit of a different market and, and their price growth was extreme compared to what we saw here. So you're seeing a little bit more of a pullback there than we would here. So that's something that's kind of interesting. Uh, it seems like the price declines in the Fraser Valley that we've seen because it was so such a dramatic uh, rise in prices, right? It mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. But why why do you think the inventories not not only stacking up, but people are actually selling decent product out there. It looks like, as opposed to in in the city and and uh, I guess the real estate board of Greater Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if part of it is kind of that uh, boomerang effect of the pandemic. Uh, you know, people that had moved out to these areas, uh, you know, when the pandemic started, uh, were working from home. You know, companies are pulling people back. Perhaps they're not wanting to have that commute uh, now that they actually have to do it. You know, probably a little bit more building out there too, um, just more avail- more available land to build on. And uh, and right. so that could be part of it as well. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I, you know, I don't do a lot of work in the Fraser Valley, so, you know, I'm not as in tune as to what's going on out there specifically. But, you know, it's interesting definitely to see, I mean, they're over 100% uh, you know, growth in inventory compared to last year. Right. You know, and even Abbotsford is year over year, they're actually showing a price decline in one of the few areas that has. So, right. I wonder also about the, yeah, the boomerang effect is, is definitely seems to make, make sense. I wonder about speculation as well, just with people thinking, seeing how, uh, the, how crazy the markets were growing Could be. as well. And I wonder it, it's, uh, we should look into this, but the, the rents right now in the Fraser Valley, my assumption is that rents are up everywhere, mm-hmm. but I'm just wondering at the, at the price that people acquired, you know, these townhomes for single family homes, if it makes sense right now, especially if they were taking on variables. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, again, as people start to shift back to, you know, working at the office, you know, perhaps, you know, the rents out there are struggling more than, you know, in an area like Vancouver where you have limited uh, product and, uh, and just more demand. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised by the lack of inventory right now? In some ways, yes. I mean, uh, we saw it to a degree in 2018, you know, this kind of the net, the last slow market that we had, actually slower than this. There was more inventory at that time, but, you know, and I think it just speaks to the, <clears throat> to the market and the confidence sellers have that they're not just, they're not willing to sell. And, and you, always get that that flavor out there that says you know we're going to have the bubble burst or we're going to see the market collapse it's just 
it just shows the strength of it because people don't have to sell. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get their price. They're not going to sell. And we're seeing that a lot. I mean, you see that, you talk to sellers, you, you see that in offers that go out that uh, sellers just aren't willing to ne- negotiate to the same level that others are. And, and so, you know, it's just, it's just, I think there's so much going on in the world right now. There's so much economically going on. I think people are just kind of a wait and see mode. So, you know, yep. if there's no, if there's no impetus to sell, then why sell? But also those sellers, they're trying to find something and they can't find something. They can't get what they want and they're not going to pay above what they're going to sell for. So you just kind of get this stuck market right now. Right. And it, and it often leads to people just taking their homes off the market, hmm. right? And staying put. I wanted to talk to you because I, I feel like every time Matt and I were, were chatting before you arrived today about how often in the media, it's a, a piece that's putting out about, you know, the correction or, and, and you're often the guy, the voice of reason, I think, uh, where you come back to the fundamentals. Yeah. Is this a different moment maybe than, than some of the moments that you've obviously experienced and been talking about over the, the years? It definitely is when you look at it from the inventory side. I mean, 2018, you know, when we looked in 2019 at the, the, the amount of sales, there were less sales in September of 2018 than there were this September. Um, but there are also about a thousand less new listings in September of 2018 compared to, to last or this last month. So you're just not seeing inventory growth at all. And, you know, we would have thought, I would have thought when we get into August, into September, we'd see some. And the, But, you know, traditionally, as we go August, November, December, it tails off again. So, mm-hmm. you know, we started the month just, uh, you know, around 10,300, 400 listings, active listings. We're already down to 10,200 listings. So you're already starting to see that tail off of listings, which will probably go through the rest of the year. Um, so, you know, that's it's interesting to see how, few sellers are willing to participate in the market right now. And I feel like every, you know, every upturn, you know, this time's different, sky's the limit. Mm -hmm. uh, And and the same with every downturn, this time's different. So I might be kind of falling into that trap, but the general mood, like, do you feel like is, I'm surprised. I mean, we all participated in 2018, but I'm still surprised to hear that September of 2018 was slower than this last month Mm -hmm. because in my recollection, it didn't feel as kind of static or just like nothing's happening. Uh, Is is this time, is it different? I think it's different in how quickly it's come about. I mean, the the slowness of this market is, is almost like 2008. I mean, 2008, September, and it was like the lights got turned out, Um, you know, but that was, a very significant shift and, and a very significant activity that, that happened. I mean, that just, it just threw everybody off. So it's different from 2018 because 2018, you could just feel it coming, you know, 2016, we hit the high, the government came in, you know, made their moves with the foreign buyer tax, right. Uh, 2018, the speculation vacancy tax, but also the stress test came in so that, you know, that shifted people's ability to purchase. So, it, it is. It was just more of a slower kind of, you know, pace at that time. So it, it wasn't as surprising. Whereas now, I mean, we've gone from, you know, essentially January, February of a very strong market to now being so quiet. So, right. Um, so, yeah, it's different than just how immediate it's been. And, and, you know, thinking about interest rates, which is obviously the kind of driving or at least one of the important factors that's changed since January or February mm-hmm. and just how they've been ratcheted up so quickly. Is this slowdown, how much of it is interest rates? Because I know you, you like to talk about supply and demand, but is, can we put it in the context of, is that basically the, the factor that is, has led to the slowdown? I think it's probably one of the key factors, certainly because everybody's had to adjust their purchasing power. I mean, and, and it, and it's, been an immediate effect. You know, I think the overall, you know, look at inflation and, you know, I think that's a big part of it. I mean, look at what we're paying for gas and, and, you know, everybody's had to adjust their budgets, gas, food, you know, all the major things that we're, we're dealing with. But I think it also, you have to look at 2020, 2021, you know, and the start of 2022, we used up a lot of demand in that period of time. A lot of people buying and selling, you know, people getting into markets, taking advantage of low rates. So, you know, I think you also have to look at the fact that we just kind of blew through a whole bunch of demand in a short period of time. Mm. So, you know, now people are sitting back and, 
and, uh, and, and, you know, that don't need to buy and there's no rush to buy. And of course, now they're trying to find out what's going to happen with rates, you know, prices, everybody's trying to guess the market, you know, when's the best time to buy, um, you know, usually tell people the best time to buy is, is now. And, uh, six months from now, I'll tell you, I should have bought six months ago. So, right. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, but yeah, everybody's, you know, trying to guess the market, where's it going? Where are prices going? Should I sell now? Should I buy now? Yeah. Can we try and guess the market? Because I yeah. <laughs> specifically, yeah. should I buy now and should uh, I sell now? Well, I, I'm actually thinking specifically about, you know, there's lots of talks about 2023 and interest rates. And we've we've had some folks on the show that that have made the argument that 2023 will continue at a, a relatively softer pace. But there's anticipation that rates might also come come down uh, towards the end of 2023. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on on what's going to happen with rates and and also what maybe next year looks like? Yeah, I mean, my thought is uh, <laughs> who knows what the government's going to do. I mean, every week there seems to be a different flavor to it. I mean, you know, they they you know we kind of thought that last jump in interest rates was you know kind of a a, a built in uh, you know to not have to do too much more at the end of, towards the end of the year, but. You know, maybe there'll be more rate increases at the end of the year, maybe to start next year. Uh, it's a, such an interesting time because of inflation being what it is and and to see gas prices. I mean, I went to Portugal, gas was a buck eighty. I came home, it was two forty. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, that's just crazy to see that sort of a swing. Uh, and that affects everything. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's, uh, I think buyers are now starting to adjust to the current rates. You know, I think just talking to people and, and sort of the flavor around the office that there is more competition happening for listings right now, you know, more activity. I think there's a bit of an adjustment. Buyers are, are starting to get their their feet under them and adjusting what they can do and prices have adjusted. So, but, I, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a crazy year for next year. I think it's just going to kind of carry along, uh, but it really just depends on what happens with the economy and uh, whether they get inflation somewhat under control. Uh, you know, they live with the inflation that we have or, you know, do we get pushed into more like a recession? Right. You know, the big R word. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't, you know, that's probably a bit above my pay grade. <laughs> I'll leave that to Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. I know you're you're active in, in Vancouver primarily. Any thoughts on... Submarkets, product types, uh, and, and I'd be curious in terms of just looking at kind of where the inventory is. If you were selling right now, where would you want to have a listing or a property that you were selling yourself, and and what would be the property? Well, I mean, I think townhouses are still that sought after part of the market. I mean, you know, Vancouver a little bit different. Vancouver East and West are a little bit different, and the East Side seen a, a jump in inventory, but you know, outside of of kind of Vancouver, you know, maybe Richmond, but into the Tri-Cities and that. I mean, you know, they, they just don't have townhouse product and that's what families want. I mean, Port Moody, you know, has very few, but, you know, you look at Port Coquitlam, they had a, you know, a very slow September compared to other markets. So it just, the market is just so finicky right now. You think you could see patterns in areas, but then some areas just show you know, that, uh, that buyers aren't interested. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's kind of a tough, you just, you just really have to look at it in the moment and see, but certainly townhouses are just, they're sought after product and just very few and far between. So it sounds like Kevin townhomes are, uh, the most sought after product right now, which is what I think we're seeing as well is definitely the case. If you had to choose one neighborhood, a neighborhood that potentially outperforms in this current market. Yeah. I mean, I, again, you know, somewhere like Port Moody, you know, because I think it's it's in such a great location transit-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've got the Evergreen Line, you've got a way of life out there. You know, it's a bit of a hidden gem sometimes. You know, we had buyers that, that bought in Port Moody last year and uh, they originally started looking in Vancouver and, uh, and you know, once they got their, you know, got sort of a flavor of Port Moody, it's, they love it. I mean, the outdoors, the running, the cycling, the lakes. Uh, I mean, so... And it, and it's and it's not a it's not a, a huge area either. Mm-hmm. So you know, and they struggle with their current council on development. Um, you know, they haven't been pro development uh, over the last four years. Starting to get a little bit more, but uh, 
it's just an area I think a lot of people overlook. I grew up in the Tri-Cities in Coquitlam, so I know the area very well and, and love it out there. So yeah, I can see that as an area that people are going to gravitate to. Right. Over COVID, I had a number of clients who started in Vancouver, usually outdoors types, but then moved to North Van and North Van was so competitive mm-hmm. that they ended up in Port Moody. But there's a there's a uniqueness to that community, right? I think that's, I'm always thinking about why Port Moody is so great. And it does seem like, and this is not, I won't mention any other communities, but in that area of uh, of the lower mainland, it's like, man, that is a really, it's got a strong uniqueness to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's almost like you think of like a brand. Port Moody seems to have like a unique brand. I always think of it like the same people that often are looking in New West often like or will consider new west will consider port moody and maybe it's because it's like got a, it feels like a strong community mm-hmm. it's got a, a strong community to it it's also got the it's got now it's like the burgeoning like restaurants and craft brewery and, oh, absolutely. and all that so it's uh it's got if you're if you're an urbanite but you're not going to live in vancouver i think port moody is a good option yeah oh it absolutely is i i'm a big cyclist and i went out last summer with uh with friends and we did a, a ride out to Belcara. Uh, Bunsen Lake, White Pines, and then ended up on the brewery road down in, in Port Moody, you know, across from Rocky Point. I mean, you just, you can do so much in a short amount of time and, right. uh, and, uh, and, you know, it's, it's a great location for that. Uh, that's a good recommendation. What about in Vancouver? Do, are, is there, are there areas in the city of Vancouver that you're looking at and thinking, um, they've been kind of consistently resilient through, through downturns? Like we always talk about like the blue chip real estate. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kitsilano, I think, always sort of carries through. I mean, it's right. it's a popular location, you know, and not a, doesn't develop, you know, not a lot of development there. You know, that, of course, will change with the Broadway plan and, and that. But, uh, you know, Kitsilano always just seems to carry along and, uh, mm-hmm. and people like it. Again, proximity to everything there and, and uh, the beaches and this downtown and, and that. So, you know, that seems to be. You know, Mount Pleasant, uh, Main Street, you know, those areas are very popular, um, depending on what you're looking for in terms of, you know, detached or townhouse. But again, East Side, you know, up until probably the last few months has had such a shortage of inventory of townhouses, duplexes. You know, you know, we all competed for the same product over the last two years right. and uh, very tough to get into. But you're seeing, so in terms of inventory, it sounds like, if I understand it, in the city of Vancouver, East Van is where the inventory is and the West Side's relatively dry. Uh, West, no, the West Side, we've seen more inventory. I mean, we're up seven, seven months supply on the West Side, even into the condo and townhouses. They're, you know, now into that more balanced buyer's market in terms of inventory. I mean, I think everything's acting in a way like a buyer's market right now. But in terms of inventory numbers, um, East Side... The townhouse duplex market, we've seen more product come on and, and again, fluctuations in terms of uh, because of interest rates and just uh, prices, you know, people were paying really high prices to get in because of lack of, of product. So you sort of see that adjustment from what the highs were. So, you know, but it's just, I think when you look at resilience of, of, of Vancouver in general, you know, you're not seeing the same price fluctuations as say out in the Valley because I think out in the Valley, they're more they're more impacted by interest rates. You know, more people are relying upon financing out in those areas as opposed to in closer to the city. I mean, people have equity or they have the financial ability to purchase without mortgage rates, you know, impacting them to the same degree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, everyone. Pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just 
you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. What about downtown? We know, you know, we all used to hang around Homer and Pacific, Adam and myself, not so much. But what are your thoughts on downtown? Because it, we had um, somebody in here not long ago, I'm trying to remember who, was saying a lot of the product downtown now is below replacement cost. Uh, you know, it's been fairly static price-wise for like that was five Bo years. Jarvis. Bo Jarvis, right. It was Bo Jarvis. Mm-hmm. You know, I know we were talking a little bit about downtown before we went live. What are your thoughts on on Yale Town and downtown West End? Well, I mean, I think you're starting to see a little bit of uh, recovery. The problem with when COVID hit is everybody left downtown, and 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 so you had more inventory, but you had less desire for people to to live downtown to either rent or or buy. And so, you know, it just it became slower. Of course you know, over towards, uh, you know, kind of the Gastown area or, or we're into, uh, you know, by um, uh, Rogers Arena and, and in that area. I mean, you know, just the city turned into a different environment and people were, were not really wanting to participate. And so those areas, you know, we, we sold a place at below $800 a square foot uh, in, uh, in 2021, uh, which was surprising, I mean, for that area. And, and but, you know, that's just, the lack of people wanting to be in that area and participate. Mm-hmm. So you're starting to see that come back. You know, people are coming back to work. Events are happening. You know, people are, you know, wanting to be downtown again. There's some life to it, uh, you know, so I think that's starting to help. But it's still a different environment than than the rest of the city for sure. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable that that's what we were seeing as well. But the sub, like the sub 900 a foot for even some newer buildings in, in like Chinatown or like that North Main corridor. Yeah. Seems like pretty incredible value when you think about even what this, like the suburbs really far out are selling mm-hmm. for, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's just, it, it's like a real testament to the, the change the city went through during COVID. Yeah, absolutely. And just the lack of desire to, to be downtown. And, and, you know, when you don't have all the events and the restaurants and, you know, it, it changes the, the flavor of the city and, and the businesses and, and offices that people mm-hmm. weren't going to, you know, and it's starting to come back. And I think every, you know, you're seeing a different degree between different companies as to people in the office. And, and, and that could change dramatically over the next couple of years if, if companies pull back. And, you know, I've, I've heard some people talk about how companies will rely upon people to come back and that, you know, as opposed to now where they're searching for workers it could swing the other way where, you know, workers are searching for jobs and, and you don't have the luxury of saying, I want to work from home as much as we do now. Right. Some companies will stick to it. And, and I think we're going to see a hybrid of everything. But I kind of want to go back to the inventory and not to beat a dead horse here, but I, I think it's 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 interesting to think about inventory in uh, markets and it's just throughout North America. But specifically, I had a conversation with an agent who works in Point Roberts. So just across the border, yeah. very small area. Uh, I think it's like maybe four square kilometers or something. It's not big. Yeah, um, I use miles down there. Actually. Four, four <laughs> square <laughs> miles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, the, the, her her point was that even though that market sees fluctuations, the reality is you're getting like one new home every whatever three or four weeks, and it could be a really trashy kind of cabin or whatever, or it could be like a stunning home, but the good inventory always kind of gets absorbed. And it just makes me think, because when you think about a lot of different markets, you know, if, if I wanted to buy a house in Calgary right now, chances are I could, I could have a list of, 
you know, 20 houses that would probably be box tickers yep. for me. But I feel like Vancouver, working with, you know, countless buyers over the past 13 years, it's very, very hard to find a box ticker ever. Yeah. Right. And are we just kind of in this situation here? Like, do you think this is just a perpetual, like, it's not inventory as much as it's good inventory and there's fluctuations of good inventory, but it it has, it never really feels like a great time to be a buyer in Vancouver in terms of selection. Do you know what I'm, I'm getting at here? I'm kind of. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I agree. I think it's always tough to find properties here and, and, you know, and, you know, you think about Calgary and, and, you know, we had clients that sold in North Van a two bedroom apartment and traded that money for a, a house in, in, in Calgary in, in one of the subdivisions. And, and, but you've just got, you know, from what I, you know, I've seen of Calgary and I'm not of course an expert on Calgary, but it just seems to be more of the same and, and just more of it. Uh, whereas opposed to here, I mean, we have such a diverse type of product and, and, and but availability of the product as well. And, and yeah, I, it, it never seems to be that we're at that point where we have too much for sale. I mean, even to get to a balanced market, we'd have to have 15, 16,000 active listings in the market. I just don't know if we can get there anymore. It seems like we're sort of stuck below that now. I mean, we had over 20,000 active listings back in, 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 you know, early 2000s. And to think, to think about it from the point of view of, of how much more housing stock there is now compared to then, but yet we still don't have that availability of listings, you would think it would be somewhat you know, somewhat translate to more active listings based on more housing stock, but we don't, uh, you know, it's, and it's less and, and, and even sales too. I mean, you don't see the same level of increase in sales as you do in housing stock. So uh, I think it's just a function of the desirability of, of the region and people wanting to be here. You know, they're not, they're not trading homes. And, 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 and this is where I get struggle with this whole speculative uh, narrative is, is if, we were truly a speculative of location, then you would see so many more listings. You'd see so many more sure. sales and, and that, but you know, this is just a desirable place where people want to be. Um, and, and that's just going to be the challenge going forward. So thinking about that, maybe it sounds like we're thinking we'll kind of just plot along in 2023, but can we talk a little bit about, you know, the next one, two, three years? Like what, what is this, what does this look like? Because it is funny, like you always hear about, you know, the blood in the streets scenario that never seems to, and not only does it not seem to materialize, like there's like very little inklings that there's, there's even a drop of blood in the street for the most part. But can you talk a little bit about what you see the next couple of years looking like? Well, this is where, this is where the crystal ball would come in handy. But, uh, you know, it's, again, it's supply and demand and, and without, without any significant increase in supply. And, and as much as now the narrative of government is starting to say, well, yeah, we get it, we need supply, but one, are they actually going to deliver on that? And two, how do they deliver? I mean, shortage of workers, shortage of supply, uh, supplies, and then shortage of land, of course. So, you know, I think we're going to see probably a more tempered pace of the market, I would think. But, you know, without any any significant increase in supply prices just kind of be steady and, and fluctuations here and there. But, you know, it, it's going to be a struggle for buyers to try and find places to get into and sellers to sell, to get into something. And so it's just sort of carrying along what we're doing now. I mean, there's going to be opportunity. There always is in markets like this. And, and that's why buyers, if you see something, take advantage of it. And, and if you have the opportunity to, to be able to negotiate, to be able to have conditions, take advantage of that because we just haven't had that. And, and I think that's what, you know, people need to understand is the opportunity is for that, maybe not the opportunity to, to have the luxury of, of a lot of places to choose from, but the luxury of time and, and, and patience uh, is probably the, the biggest part of the market right now. And that's probably what we'll see going forward for the next while. But everything, it seems in our markets, things can change so quickly. So mm. as much as I'd like to think that, you know, this is going to be the way it is for the next couple of years. It could change so quickly. I mean, you know, financial markets could change. Interest rates could change. Um, you know, so we could all see that shift very quickly. The world changes every week right now. So it's, it's, it really does. And, and <laughs> you know, we're, you know, one, one big thing away from the next uh, major reaction. But, you know, considering what we've been through in the last year, I mean, 
to have gone through all of that and to see, you know, where the market's at and, and, you know, for the most part, price stability. I mean, yeah, it, it's come down in the last six months, but look how much it went up in, in the previous 18 months. So right. to be in the position where we're at now, I think is still pretty good and, and considering everything that's happened. I mean, it's like 2008 when, when that happened and the market recovered after that. I mean, you know, I remember, you know, people saying, well, if that didn't cause the bubble to burst and really what will. So, you know, I think it's, it's just an adjustment right now. And uh, those that take advantage during periods like this will get the benefit. Is real estate in Vancouver more or less expensive in five years? It'll, I think it'll be more expensive. Yeah, I just, I, I don't see how it can't be given our supply challenges and, and the people coming here and then immigration. I mean, the levels that, that they are, are wanting, I mean, over 400,000, I think it was last year in, in Canada and, and, you know, they're coming to Toronto or, or Ontario or BC predominantly and, and right. you know, spreading out other places, but, you know, they are coming to Metro Vancouver. So, and we need more workers and they're, you know, they've just recently announced that, uh, you know, they're, they're loosening the, um, some of the, the policies around uh, students working and, and that because the government knows we need labor and, and labor is a big part of the economy. So we're going to have more people coming. You know, one of the interesting things when I went to Portugal just because I love stats and stuff. My parents actually went in 1991 to Portugal. And so we sort of tried to live off some of the things that they did. But I look at the population of Portugal and, and in 1991, they had a population of just 10 million, just over 10 million people. In 2022, they had a population of 10,200,000, like limited growth. And Canada went from 28 million in that time to 38 million now. So, you know, it's it's... And pop and the prices of, of property in Portugal, you know, weren't as cheap as I thought they would be in some of the major areas. It's and gone up significantly. Yeah, right? absolutely. And and they're right. trying to bring people in. They've got a golden visa program. They're trying right. to bring people to to buy property there and to to relocate there because they need people. I mean, with that kind of population growth, um, you know, that's very challenging for a for a country. So, you know, so when you look at that and what Canada wants to do and needs to do. We're just going to have more people and, and that's, you know, without housing supply dramatically increasing, you know, it just makes sense. So, and, and maybe as a, a final question here, we'll, we'll timestamp this. This is October 11th, Kevin. This is a, a big week for municipal politics in Vancouver. And we, we didn't uh, ask you uh, if you have any political leanings and we, and we won't, but we'll, any thoughts on the election right now or? Or just anything that you're any any predictions of outcomes or 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 anything that you, any anybody that you're excited about? You know, politics is a bit of a funny thing because it seems promises are easy to make uh, and extremely hard to deliver, and it doesn't seem like anybody ever does. So you know, you sort of you sort of look at it, but you know, when who everybody that's running, I think it's kind of a pick'em right now as to who's going to get in. Mm. Um, you know, firefighter, firefighter, or Vancouver firefighters today endorsed Kennedy Stewart after the police union endorsing uh, Ken, Ken Sims. Sims last week. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, and you know, I think wh- whoever gets in, as long as they understand the supply challenges, that's what's going to matter. But again, you can understand it, but can you have an effect on it? Uh, you know, David Eby touting his his understanding of supply and wanting more from municipalities, but you can want more, but how do you deliver more? So, you know, I I, I don't know. I don't live in the city of Vancouver. I live in Richmond. So my uh, my voting is is out there. And, and again, out there, it's, you know, probably less of an issue because, uh, you know, I think they've got an incumbent that's pretty much entrenched. But, uh, you know, here, I think it's going to be an interesting time for the city. And, and, and nobody's really come out and has a concrete plan as to how to deal with what we have. I mean, Ken Sims has talked about more police officers and more frontline workers, you know, great. But how do you, you know, how does that translate, translate into dealing with this? So, right. Yeah. Interesting times. It's very interesting times. <laughs> I, I'm just I almost trying, want it to be less interesting. You know, boring <laughs> would be kind of fun, but even, even a flat market is is not boring in, in here and, and right. you know it, it like again it just seems to change talking to people in the office this morning dealing with multiple offers again and uh, you know on properties that they didn't think that would happen and you know talking to people on the weekend so 
real estate is never boring here. And and this is with us and hearing it from other agents as well. Like open houses are super busy right now. Yeah. Uh, an agent at the gym the other day and he was like, yeah, I've had, we had 25 people through on the weekend that I haven't had a single call from an agent. Like, just yeah. a weird moment. Yeah. One of our agents had a property in, in White Rock and they had 75 groups through on the weekend, but had one offer. You know, there's a lot of people out looking. Yeah. And, and as much as we used up all this demand during, you know, kind of the last 18 months, it's now now accumulating. So, you know, we go on these fits and starts in Vancouver real estate that will go for a busy period, a quiet period, then busy again. So there's really no reason to think we're going to do that. It's just a question of when. With a portable mortgage, it seems like a great time to move through the market, like move up in the yeah. market right now. Yeah. specifically, right? Absolutely. And I, I think people are thinking about that and people are still thinking about space. Like COVID is is very fresh in everybody's memory. Right? Oh, absolutely. Where, you know, nobody wants to live through what we've just lived through. And certainly COVID, if anything, has, has made where you live so much more important. And, and for all the people that did move, there is so many more that didn't that, you know, are trying to adjust their space. You know, people that are adjusting to lives either with somebody or without, you know, children that are, are probably coming that uh, maybe weren't planned. So there's all these side side effects of the pandemic that we haven't even realized yet. Right. Well, we'll leave it there. But uh, Kevin, we have this segment called the Five Wire, five lighthearted questions to end the show. Can you stick around for that? Yeah, absolutely. The Five Wire is brought to you by Scalina Real Estate. Hey, that sounds familiar. Scalina Real Estate is a full service real estate company serving Vancouver, offering comprehensive tried and tested buyer and seller systems. With over a decade in the top 10% of realtors in the lower mainland and a perfect five-star Google review, Scalina Real Estate can help with all your real estate needs. We also have an extensive network of the best industry professionals and trades right across the country. There's no reason to not get in touch. Head over to scalinarealestate.com to find out more. Okay. So question number one is one book that you'd recommend for our listeners. You know, I sort of have this funny thing around the office that everybody knows I'm just not a book reader. I, I read your numbers so, guy. I, I'm a, I read so <laughs> many articles and stats and stuff, you know, and I was thinking about this, uh, knowing the, knowing the question was coming, but, uh, you know, I've, I've read some real estate books. There's a really good one, Ninja Selling. You know, I sort of stick to that stuff, but I just, I love reading about data and, and ninja I, selling, ninja selling. It's a really, it's, it's, it's an, a very unique program that uh, we've been put onto and, and uh, it, it just, it's kind of like they, they call it the, the unselling selling. It, it's more relationship building, right. but you know, I, lo I love books on relationship building and, and that sort of stuff. So probably that's, those are the things that, uh, that keep me uh, interested in reading, but I've got about 10 books I've started and haven't finished. Well, a lot of our listeners are uh, agents, so Ninja Selling will be, I think, a, a mm -hmm. popular recommendation. Yeah, highly recommend it. All right. Uh, in the last five years, Kevin, what is one new belief, behavior, or habit most improved your life? Uh, you know, I'd, uh, I'd probably say exercise. Um, I've, I've always been a cyclist, and, I, and I've been doing that for the last 10, 12 years. We do a lot of cycling through our office and fundraising through cancer rides and such, but... Uh, I like many others bought a Peloton during the pandemic, and uh, and I, I I tell you, I, of all the purchases I've bought, uh, that is the one thing I absolutely love. And I uh, I bought it last November. I'm approaching 300 rides, and uh, wow! And I just yeah, I just I love it. You I did had, I did my first ride yesterday with they had people in the studio. Yeah. Which I hadn't seen, which maybe tells when my last ride was. Yeah, they started to say that's month. your third ride over two years. Uh, uh, no, no, no. It's it's fantastic. It's yeah. like it is incredible. But uh, who's your uh, go to instructor? You know, everybody always asks me that, and and it's it's more the music. It's uh, I look for you know, do I want eighties? Do I want nineties or two right. thousands? Or you know, so I, you know, I tend to less focus on the instructor and probably don't even pay attention to the instructor and which is a good reason to have the automatic adjusting tension. So, right. uh, but uh, it's just more the music. And I just, for me, that's my, my time where I can just unwind and, uh, and go at it. And, uh, and it's so convenient. And you must do really, if you're, if you've been an avid cyclist for years, cause I, I basically had no experience cycling and I still rank pretty high for the here now. Yeah groups, but do you, do you race? Are you racing people or are you competitive in that regard? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. am. Uh, I mean, I, 
compete against myself, but yeah, I'll, I'll see people and I'm, you know, I'm trying to get up in the top 10 and just, uh, and just try and be up there. And so, yeah, that definitely drives me. And I sort of have my own personal, you know, benchmarks that I want to be above. So even if, uh, you know, even if I'm struggling a bit, it's like, I got to get above this, you know, coming back from Portugal and dealing with the after effects of COVID, I did my first ride and I'm thinking, oh, I could, I could take it easy. And, and then you start get going. It's like, nope, I got to get to above this benchmark. <laughs> yeah, very few things motivate me. I think like the Peloton, like when you're on it, it's, it feels like by the end of it, you get a workout regardless of how you feel going in it. Oh, absolutely. It. it is. Yeah. It is just a tremendous workout. I mean, you know, and, and I always get bugged by, you know, a few of my colleagues that do a lot more outdoor cycling that, you know, I'm just taking it easy on my, my Peloton, but I'm like, nope. You're not coasting, you're going full tilt. And some of these instructors, uh, you, you have to wonder how much they're actually pedaling, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. I love it. So that's, you know, that is the one thing that's definitely changed over the last uh, six to, or I guess nine months, 10 months. Oh, that's great. What have you been binge watching lately or a, a movie recommendation? You know, I, um, uh, I've been <laughs> watching Ted Lasso for the second time. Oh, uh, right on. Yeah, my girlfriend, she hadn't seen it. And of course, in Portugal, we had some free time in the hotel. So we started watching that. And uh, so we're just working our way through that. And I mean, that just, it's just, you know, when I first watched it, I didn't watch it until after sort of all the hype about it. But he, it's just the messaging and just the way he talks. I mean, everybody just wants to be a Ted Lasso. So, yeah. you, know, <laughs> um, you know, and I've, and I've been watching Stranger Stranger Things with my son. Uh, he's got me onto that. So, uh, you know, sort of two different uh, ends of the spectrum. I, th- I feel like Stranger Things uh, did such a good job of capturing that 80s vibe that I was trying to tell these guys, even if, you d- if, even if you're not into the show, just the, the mood it creates is, uh, oh, it yeah. takes you back. I've, I've been reliving a lot of things from the 80s watching that. Totally. So, yeah, absolutely. The malls, especially that. I mean, <laughs> I, I remember that. Takes me back to my first experience going to Coquitlam Center and right. uh, what that was like. <laughs> uh, this is a little different, uh, this this next question. One piece of advice for someone out there who's really nervous about the real estate market right now? I think just look at history. I mean, history, you look at the graph of, of real estate values and, you know, they've steadily gone up. So, you know, I, I think history you know, tends to repeat itself as as the saying goes. But uh, I think history just shows what Vancouver and, and real estate anywhere is about, really. I mean, it varies from place to place. And obviously, s- some places you wouldn't want to invest in. But, you know, I think anybody nervous about real estate, I mean, one, it's your home. You know, if you're buying it to live in, then, you know, it's your home, you have a place to live. And then if you own it, then, you know, it's your your home that you own. So, right. Yeah. Our uh, friend of the show, Dustin Woodhouse, calls it a, a yo-yo on an escalator. And if you look at the 30-year you know, on the board stats, yeah. I mean, it, it's a clear reflection of that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you think longer term and and, and even if you're, you know, you're, you're getting into something and it's not the right home and you have to sell in three to five years, you know, when you sell and buy into something else, you're trading in the same market. So even if it's not the right home for right now or not, the, the right home for right now, but not the right home for five years from now, you know, you get into something else. It just gets your foothold. I mean, that was what my parents taught me when I was young, get into the market. And we bought a townhouse in, in mid 1990s, my brother and I, and it leaked within a year. I mean, and we sold just as that whole leaky condo crisis came out and, and, you know, we lost money on it, but we just moved to the next thing and, and stayed with the market. So, you know, I think it's just, you know, real estate is just, it is what it is. And, uh, and I think, you know, for all the negativity that people say about commoditizing housing, um, you know, it is, you know, that's what it's been. And, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Right. Uh, last but not least, something that you've purchased for under $1,500 that's changed your life in the last few years. <laughs> Jeez. I could go back to my, <laughs> my, my Peloton monthly, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. but, uh um, Paddleboard, I guess. Yeah, I bought a paddleboard last year and uh, and uh, go up to the Okanagan in the summer. And uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's fun. I've, I've never been a big paddleboarder. I'm not a big water sports person, but uh, love the paddleboard and just getting out on that. So, I actually was thinking about buying one at the end of this season. 
But uh, mm-hmm. no, that's good. Yeah. The inflatable. Did you get the I, inflatable? The inflatable, yeah. So you can just, I mean, they go into a backpack. You can put it on your back. They're easy to inflate. And uh, I mean, again, you go out to White Pine Beach, Bunsen, you know, how many people go out there? I mean, I live in Steveston and there's people that actually can go out on the river and I, I would have no problem with that on the sort of the, the quieter parts of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's just so many places you can do that here. So right on. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's the first, I think that's the first paddleboard we've ever had. Yeah. Good one. No, I, I highly recommend it. So yeah, it's a West Coast lifestyle. <laughs> right on. Well, Kevin, uh, I know you put out the stats. You said uh, twice, twice, twice a month. each yep. month. You're all over in the media, but how can people find out uh, more about what you're doing? Uh, well, they can uh, reach out to me. I'm on Twitter and uh, Instagram uh, through uh, our company, DexterRealty.com. They can sign up for the market report on there. And uh, yeah, I do end of the month and, and a mid-month just because I don't think anybody else does mid-month, uh, which, you know, kind of interesting to see where the month's at. It can change very quickly, but uh, yeah, so definitely that's where you can go to sign up for it and find me as well. That's that's incredible. Well, thanks so much for taking the time today, Kevin. And uh, yeah, we'll have to get you back to to see yeah, how see, this whole thing plays out. Kind of, I can't believe you've never we've never had you on. We've talked. It's, we've. I feel like it was supposed to happen, and then uh, where we were sending out. Anyways, I yeah, I, I feel like we've been talking about it. <laughs> no, no, it's for it's, at least eight years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think the last couple of years, you know, it's been hard to do, hard to plan anything. So. No kidding, no yeah, kidding. Exactly. But great no, to I, finally have you on the show, and and thanks so much for your time. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, and uh, look forward to uh, coming back sometime. Fantastic. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Kevin Skipworth, co-owner and managing broker over at Dexter Realty and managing broker at Goodman Commercial. Really enjoyed that conversation with Kevin. Always uh, a pleasure having a guest in studio and Kevin didn't disappoint. It was great chatting with him before the show and after the show. And uh, man, we captured some gold. A lot of interesting takeaways. You know, I've always watched for Kevin in the media, but right. one thing that I would recommend is is that bi-monthly report from Dexter Realty. That's it's good stuff. Kevin's it's, doing God's work. It's smart to do the mid-month, right? Because I feel like that's, it's always around the 15th or so where people are kind of like trying to get a read on yeah, what this like, month okay, is doing. Yeah, what's going, what's going on? And it's not always explicit, right? Especially for people that are that don't have access to to all the MLS uh, details that uh, that we do as agents, right? So it's it's a great report to follow. Kevin's doing God's work, and appreciate him on the show. And you know what? I think I think he's uh, I think he's making I think he's going to be right again as a as a forecaster because, it, like I said, he's kind of consistently bang on. I like this idea of of the of the low inventory. And uh, it's not as scary as, as people want to make it out to be. Keep calm and carry on the watch word of the day. What else do we have, Adam, before we cut? Yeah, before we cut, Matt, of course, we've got VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. I just want to quickly, before we get to that, though, make a plug for our Instagram because we're doing a lot more over there. We're going to have some contests around some shirts. Uh, we've given away a lot of shirts. We've still got probably like, I don't know, north of 100 but yeah. uh, we're, we're getting a thousand. <laughs> no, we started off with two hundred. So oh, that okay. Would, that would, okay, uh, yeah. yeah. So we're we've given away a lot of shirts, but we still got a ton left. Reach out if you want a shirt. Um, we've been giving away. We've had some strong reviews. People sharing uh, sharing podcast episodes that they love on their social media, on their Instagram. Feel free to tag us in any in any of your favorite episodes. And if you want to help us grow this podcast, the easiest thing you can do is share the podcast with a friend who might benefit from it. Um, we really appreciate everybody doing that. And thank you uh, to the VRUP community. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a specific shout out to uh, Vegan Kev, who... Oh, Vegan <laughs> Kev! Vegan Kev, who is, uh, is popping by to grab a shirt. I was first introduced to Vegan Kev at the YouTube live events we did pre-COVID. That was, He's uh, been around for a long time. Those were back in the day. I mean, that was pre-COVID. And yeah. we would we would actually... We're going to be seeing Raimi today from Raimi, Raimi Films. Films, yeah. Uh, Today, because we're we're going to a photo shoot, and uh, man, we're using his studio, which is awesome in Mount Pleasant. But one thing is, is that those were those were kind of the days. Oh, we, those pre-COVID, the, oh. people were coming out to the studio. We were doing lives on YouTube. Those are still up if people want to go back in time. And some of the best uh, days watch. of my life. <laughs> really? No, no. 
<laughs> that was a good time. Yeah, like it goes, it goes the YouTube live, yeah. the birth of my daughter, uh, <laughs> my wedding. Uh, yeah, no, those were good days though. So shout out to Vegan Kev. Uh, your shirt is on the way. And Matt, how can people uh, find out more about what we're up to online? Well, you definitely want to go over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This is our website where all things real estate related live. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com for things like the live wire. This is our weekly mailer where we're sending out stats before anyone else, different types of stats. We have VIP pre-sale access to tons of residential, but also commercial projects. Right. We have the deal of the month. There's there's no reason why you shouldn't be on the live wire. It's sold plan. It's just, it's gold. Yeah. We also have private client services. Because Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information for free. It's available at your fingertips. Just head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com slash PCS. Shout out is that for, actually the, it is slash PCS. Oh, okay. Yeah, but head oh. over just to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. <laughs> There's a button too. But one thing I want to say is also Corey is really holding it down on uh, the Vancouver Corey Commercial Wright. Real Estate Podcast. And this week's episode went out with Melissa Moretti, who's on the program as co-host. Uh, this is, I think, her first time doing it. She's been on on VREP she's, before. Yeah, she's co-hosted a couple um, of our episodes. She's on our team. She's uh, she's phenomenal. She does a great job this week with Corey. I think they throw me under the bus a lot. I think I'm kind of the butt of most of the jokes uh, there, but uh, I'll take it. Um, one thing I want to mention, too, is Corey. Talk about a busy guy. Uh, we say we have in this photo shoot today. We've got these two spots. Corey types back. I can make one of them. Which then suggests that he's available at both times, but he, <laughs> he just doesn't want to wanna be yeah. be there for both times. Yeah, so I love he's it. like, I, I can do one or the other, but not both. Not both. <laughs> I refuse to do both. Anyways, uh, how can people get in touch? You can get in touch at any time. 778-847-2854 or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We also got that Kokomo line info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We'll have a great week guys and again we're back next week with some more great content we have so we're many stacking shows them up right now yeah oh, exactly it's, it's, and just like the like the creme de la creme yeah. just fantastic heavy guests. hitters heavy hitters coming soon two thousand faces for radio subscribe today mm-hmm.